this is the Disability Visibility Podcast with your host, Alice Wong. Hey everybody, welcome to the Disability Visibility Podcast. Conversations on disability politics, culture, and media. I'm your host, Alice Wong. Today's episode features an interview with Jed White Johnson, an Afro-Latina disabled artist, photographer, educator, and designer. Jed is also an assistant professor of visual communication at Bowie State University. Jed will talk about how being the parent of a neurodivergent black son politicized her in her work, did the bits of the racist violence, police brutality this year. You'll also hear her describe what a several graphics she created that features the raised solidarity fists in black with the infinity sign at the wrist with the words Black Disabled Lives Matter below. You can find more of Jen's work on her website at jenwhitetronson.com. Please note this interview today's mentions of anti-blackness violence, and police brutality. Are you ready? Away we go. So, Jen, I was wondering, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and just share a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Sure. So, my name is Jennifer White Johnson. Um, my pronouns are he, she, um, or sorry, she, <laughs> she, her. Um, and uh, yeah, because I'm Af- Afro-Latina, um, half uh, Black, half Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a multilingual family. And so it's really been beautiful to grow up in a really multicultural house. Um, I am cinnamon skin um, and I have a gap in my teeth and I have a curly kind of uh, blondish brown hair and highlights. And I'm, I have on a uh, some wide like uh brim glasses um and i'm a bit round i have like a really round face Mm -hmm. and i have a birthmark on my left cheek and i'm wearing uh earrings that say uh resistencia and i have on a purple headband so um i came trying to look like you know kind of cute for this interview Um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh i um I'm a mother, um, uh, I'm an activist, I'm a wife, uh, and um, and I'm also um, an educator. Um, I teach at Bowie State University, which is the oldest uh, HBCU in the state of Maryland. Um, so I've been teaching there for about nine years, and I teach graphic design and photography. Mm-hmm. I also have um, Graves' disease, uh, which, you know, it takes a toll on my energy and you know, fatigue and anxiety. And so I have a lot of hormonal imbalances with my thyroid and I've had it since, um, my, my late teens. Um, so I, so I, you know, kind of struggle with that a bit, but you know, I, I, I keep it moving forward and, and I was able to get treatment for that, um, early on, but I have no thyroid. So I kind of deal with, you know, the, the, I kind of deal with, with a lot of those, those health challenges. And I have to take a hormone replacement um, drug to kind of make sure that my thyroid or what's left of it kind of functions properly. Um, I also have undiagnosed uh, ADHD. 
Um, so I have a lot of executive functioning challenges, but I'm, you know, learning to accept it and learning to kind of let it build me up as, as an artist and build me up as, as, as a person. Um, and, I, and I also have uh, an autistic son. He's seven years old. Um, and uh, he's like the light of my life. I'm like his biggest fan. Um, so, so disability um, and uh, visibility and um, just means a lot to me at being able to kind of, you know, uplift folks who have, um, you know, different narratives and who have their own way of, of expression and their own way of communicating um, and their own way of being. Can you tell me about how being a parent of a neurodivergent child has politicized you? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think that, you know, instantly, you know, most uh, Black families, families of color who uh, have a child who's diagnosed as autistic or, or ADHD, any kind of neurodivergent, you know, difference, um, we're meant to believe that, okay, well, our kid is, is not normal and our kid is not perfect and that they need to be fixed and that they need to be, you know, healed and, and that they need to, to adapt and conform. So instantly those are the, the, the stigmas that are set in place for when your child is, is, is diagnosed. And that's how we felt. I mean, we, we even felt like, Oh, like, what do we say to our families? Like what, what do we say to our our friends who, who don't even really understand autism um, or what being an autistic person is? Because instantly it's like, oh my gosh, it's going to be okay. Or or my cousin it has autism. You know, like like they 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 express it as if it's like this this illness that needs to be cured and that you know like it's this disorder. And I know for a lots of families, you know, it 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 can be be challenging. And so I've really just learned to to do my research, to listen to other autistic advocates, um, to kind of let that really fuel me and, and um, to really educate me on, on, you know, making sure that my relationship with my son is, is of value. Um, and so, you know, seeing how autistic people um, from all cultures um, are, are treated, you know, it's really difficult to sit with that. And to just say, oh, well, that's not my problem. That's not my issue. You know, that's not my community. Um, you know, my son is my son. And, but after you see enough of the way that the Black autistic community is, is ostracized and misunderstood um, and attacked in a variety of ways or just left out of the conversation in the media, um, in, you know, so many different avenues, yes, like as an artist, I feel like, okay, well, what what do I do? Like, how do I, you know, how does representation um, and how does, you know, how, you know, neurodiversity play a role, like, in, 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 in my overall family value and in my overall family, like, expression? And, and naturally, like, as an artist, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like it's like I have, like, a social responsibility to use art to, to, to amplify, to educate, right? And, and and it's not anything that I felt like I was forced to do. I felt like it was just a natural 
response to kind of use art to kind of speak in a in in, in a unique way and it changed me as as a mother you know it, it really changed my perspective on um how black autistic folks are are just portrayed in the media and so naturally i'm looking at children's books and i'm looking at the media and i'm looking at other autistic families and i'm noticing like the same kind of narratives like oh my kid did this today and my kid did that today and and it's so difficult it's so hard like as a parent and and right all of those things are are valid but i just felt like there has to be more there has to be more to the story more to this narrative than just these complaints and these sob stories and again like i have to be very sensitive with how i talk about that because i'm not trying to offend families that are, are dealing with different aspects of the spectrum and i respect it but i know that for me i wanted to be able to focus on the joy and what i don't really see um being portrayed in just in in terms of just the autistic community in general at least you know um in in 2000 and you know 13 when he was first diagnosed i love your stickers with the phrase autistic joy because Mm -hmm. you're naming it you're calling it and why is it so important to focus on joy when we're talking about shifting the narratives about autistic people yes you know and 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 it it goes back to to what i was saying It, it goes back to to personally like for me like what i saw was sadness um stefan watts was was murdered and brutalized by the police in 2012, which was the the year that my son was born. Um, And I didn't even know of that that narrative until my son was a lot older as I started to do research. And I'm like, man, like, so when when my son was born, there was an autistic kid who was was completely, you know, murdered and and, and brutalized, um, you know, by just not having the proper people care in terms of when they came to to kind of confront the the situation that that his family was was dealing with you know and so i just wanted to be able to offer some sort of response that was uplifting like it's really simple like uplifting and empowering and i realized that i could be friends with autistic people that I could get to know the community and that I didn't only have to befriend other autistic parents or, or, or other parents who had autistic children that I could be friends with autistic adults, autistic teenagers, that I could learn from them, that I could have these really beautiful conversations with them to understand, you know, Hey, like these are the kinds of relationships that I know that I could have with not now and, and in the future. So, yeah. So just, being able to to understand the community and to listen to the community mm-hmm. was just really instrumental um, in how I, I just understood like the autistic culture. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, you know, on your website you describe mothering as an act of resistance mm-hmm. to ableist visual culture. So mm-hmm. I think you touched upon it earlier, but what are some examples of neurotypical and ableist visual cultures that are predominant today. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, 
ableist culture to me is just like you know like really condescending imagery or imagery that's very like one-sided and one view that doesn't show like a variety of different aspects of someone who's who's autistic maybe only showing like one type of identity like one kind of of race um i wasn't really seeing um language like positive language being used or or it was just again like focusing on let's research autism so that we can cure it or let's focus on you know making sure that these kids don't get these vaccines because they're going to be completely disposable and and not of any use if they have autism and all these you know those were just really offensive examples for me as as a mother to be able to know that oh okay like if my kid is black and autistic then he's definitely going to be like mishandled um i've i'm starting to see um a shift and i'm really in, enjoying it um and i definitely want to highlight you know erica uh milsom who was the um the director of loop like the pixar short and then i decided just to create my own you know um with like the photo zine and and i I think what helps to kind of set what I'm doing apart, not saying that I'm like, you know, unique in any way in the way that I'm handling this or, or approaching this, but I just don't. And there are tons of, of black autistic artists out there, but I just really didn't see many parents who were artists responding or using design and art to kind of shift and, and break certain stigmas. And that's what I really wanted to do. Um, and, and I knew that it was more about like, oh, Knox's narrative. Like I could take, right, a sticker that says autistic joy and have that amplify and empower like a whole, like a whole body of, of, of autistic folks. Like that was just the goal. You know, several weeks ago, in response to the murder of George Floyd, you know, black artists have created really powerful work to to remember him and countless others and continue to do so. And, you know, I saw these graphics by you with the phrase black autistic, black autistic lives matter and the hashtag black disabled lives matter. And, I wanted to ask you what prompted you to create these images and also what was your kind of process in designing them? Like, how did you kind of make the design uh, decisions to to, to design them? What was your thought process? Yeah, I mean, my my thought process, it was it was it was difficult because I was like, well, you know, sure, it's, it's easy to come up with like typographic um expressions and you know using like just like a really bold like thought to like declare like a statement but if i had the opportunity to take type and take digital illustration and merge them to say something even stronger to create some sort of unifying like symbol or just some sort of unifying visual um i was like all right well you know there's the black power fist and, and I can kind of play around with like 
that that notion. But when it came to disability, I was like, you know, all right, well, I need to be able to just infuse like a symbol that is easily recognizable and that is also powerful and that, you know, also represents, you know, um, disability culture to a certain extent. And that was definitely not a puzzle piece, you know, because I feel like, again, like my son isn't a puzzle piece and he's not this mystery that we need to solve. Like he is, he's a human and he's his own person and he's already like, like his, his story and his humanity will never end. Right. So I, I think that, that the infinity symbol means so many different things for so many people within like the autistic community, but it was really just an experiment. And it was really just like something that I was really playing around with. And, you know, as a black mother, you know, being, you know, a mother of an autistic son who, who's instantly going to be misunderstood, you know, whether he wants to or not, because, you know, of his disability, I just couldn't help but think that, you know, George Floyd and his murder and Stefan Watts and, you know, all of these folks now, like Elijah McLean and, and, Rashard Brooks and all these folks, it's like, they were fathers, you know, they are, you know, Elijah McClain was like a, a kid, you know, a disabled black kid, like sick of anemia, like a, like a sweet kid. And, and I'm thinking like, you know, these are folks who have like regular everyday narratives, just like Knox who have like their differences and, you know, maybe like disabilities to a certain extent, but they're still misunderstood. Like they're, they're still equally misunderstood and considered garbage and, and, and like, like animals, like, like they could just be thrown in the trash at, at, at the drop of a hat. So it's, it's, so it's really just up to us to continue, you know, to shift that narrative, to continue to remind people. Yeah. Like we have kids who are disabled, but they're not disposable. Like they're not like they deserve like the opportunity to, to exist period. Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting. Uh, it's been really exciting to see your work, uh, you know, show up in protests all over the world. You were at a BLM protest in Washington, D.C. on June 6th of this year with a disabled contingent led by two black disabled people, uh, Justice Shorter and Carrie Gray. What was it like being there and documenting the protest through photography because yeah. I saw a lot of great videos and photos by you and I just want to say I appreciate that so much because you know as somebody who couldn't be there you really gave you know you really helped create this you know coverage so that everybody can witness and observe so I just want to, you know, share that gratitude for you and your work during that protest. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal because um, that was like my first time really like going out, um, you know, with social distancing and, 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 and co you know, the coronavirus and, but I wanted to be able to at least be present because I knew that I could that I could be, be a resource. And that was just really like what I wanted to do. Um, and it really just came from, you know, Imani Barberin saying, Hey, like, you know, we've been sharing this graphic, Jen, can you like get some t-shirts made? Can you get some prints made for Carrie and justice? Like, 
here's their, their, their contact information. And I was like, okay, oh, wow. Oh, like they're, they're here in DC. Like, this is amazing. And, um, and I'm in Baltimore. So I was just like a train right away. And I got on the phone with, with, with justice and we had like an amazing conversation. And I was like, look, I was like, I'm actually getting a whole bunch of posters made. I will come to DC and I'll just bring them to you. Um, oh, and by the way, do you happen to have anyone who's documenting this? Because I can bring my camera. And so, uh, she, you know, Justice was like, yeah, like, you know, we have a media team and you can be feeding them imagery like all throughout the day. And I was like, I got you. Like, I came with, with, with my camera. Um, and, and like I said, we were out there with our masks and, and it was like our first time really being out together. I mean, with other people, it was so interesting because we had to stop ourselves from like hugging and from embracing and we're like, wait, wait. and it was just, it, it, it was just, it, it was so rewarding. I'm like, if I am going to go out, like this was like a really beautiful experience to be out with like my disability community being a resource and really helping, like you said, capture the narrative. Um, it was hot. Like we were, we were just, it was, we were sweltering. It was like 90 degrees. Like I almost had a heat stroke and this was like right in front of the white house. Like literally like it was just, we had medics there. It was, it was rough work. It, and I was like, man, cause it had been a while since I had been out like shooting. I'm a professor. So I'm usually, you know, like in a lab, like assist, you know, helping students design logos and websites and posters you know, rarely do I really get an opportunity to be like out, like protesting in the field on the ground, like in this way, you know, I was weaving in and out, making sure that, that, you know, we were capturing every chant, every, every sign, every like angle, um, all the way, you know, down to, to the white house. And it was phenomenal. Um, and you know, when, when we wrapped up, I was like, look, like, I was like, let me know what else you need because like, I want to continue to be friends. Like, mm -hmm. like I want to have a relationship with, with you guys. Like, I don't want this to be the last time that, that we, that we interact or that I help organize. So mm -hmm. it was just like, I just felt like I was able to gain some really beautiful partnerships um, and collaborative like experiences, but then also feel like I was seen like, I felt like we were just like a whole bunch of misfits. Like it was just amazing. Like it was just, <laughs> it was, it was, it was perfect. It was exactly the way it needed to be. Um, and it was like older folks, young folks, families, and then people who were like joining us along the way as, as we marched down to the white house and, you know, folks who were just, and then to see the posters to like take that all in and to like watch people pasting them on cardboard or adding other messages you know, around them and, and um, sticking them on cardboard alongside stories of like disabled folks who've been, you know, victimized and brutalized by the police, Freddie Gray and Sandra Bland and Laquan McDonald. And, you know, all, all, all these narratives are folks that people don't even think about, you know, oh, post-traumatic stress and epilepsy and, and, you know, lead poisoning, like all of the, and, you know, all of these environmental narratives that people completely dismiss and they don't, you know, hold um, memory to when, when we're thinking about like these, 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 these black disabled bodies who, who've been taken. Um, so it was like really important to us that we like felt that we could really educate folks around us with this artwork, um, that it could create like a social, 
a socially charged message. And we're going to keep it going, you know, like uh, I, I, I created like a prototype of the of the solidarity fist um, as, a, as a mural concept. And I was like, is it cool? Like, if we try to do this, like big, big time, like big, you know, like for the masses. And they were like, wow, Jen, like, yes, like, let's do it. Because because I knew that I wanted to, to continue to see the graphic and the symbol like used in a variety of ways. And I didn't want it to just be like, you know, viewed or, or, or taken in, in, in one um, particular type of like art expression that, that it can continue to, to be transformed. Um, so, so yeah, so, so right now we're like looking for locations in, in DC and, um, and, and, and I would really love to see it as like a worldwide like action where like, if we were super big time, like, the mural would be going up in different cities, like all on like July 26th, you know, simultaneous like live mural participatory events, you know, um, like that's like the, the goal at the end of the day is to kind of see the symbol continue to just transform um, spaces. With uh, one final question, because I know that we've talked for a while. What are your dreams and ambitions for your photography and art? Like, what do you see for yourself? Yeah, um, I think my my ambitions are just to continue collaborating, um, and to to continue like just amplifying um and uplifting lives, whatever that looks like, whether it's through you know. Um, creating really beautiful narratives. Uh, I was in the middle of, of a residency, um, an artist mother studio residency in February. And, you know, when social distancing had to, you know, kind of come, come into place, I had to, I didn't have access to my studio anymore. And one of the things that I had planned was to, um, to just shoot portraits of autistic people um, and their families uh, you know, and yes, like it's been done like before, but I don't know, like I really wanted to be able to photograph mm -hmm. folks um, like with their STEM toys, just being themselves, but really kind of like capturing like these really beautiful, like soulful, like up close portraits, um, you know, capturing like, you know, facial expressions, smiles. I think one of the, the the really beautiful things that I've seen is is, is affect the verb, uh, the the online disability collective where they, it's like stock imagery, of um, disabled you know, uh, BIPOC folks, um, specifically women and, and femmes you know being photographed you know like with a cane or, or in a wheelchair or like with their STEM toys and I just really love seeing that representation, so I wanted to be able to shoot. Um, images specifically of other BIPOC folks, um, especially Black mothers, like local Black moms, like in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area with their autistic kids, um, but just really helping to capture the soulfulness again and, and just representation because we really don't get a chance to kind of see them. Like we see them in like these little ad campaigns, but but to see it done purposefully, like for for the intention of like capturing like a really true honest narrative like that was something that I had planned and then I was gonna do like interviews and um do like another like photo zine 
and I was going to travel and interview like autistic adults, specifically like black autistic, you know, folks to kind of capture, you know, um, so tell me something really cool about like what you love. And, um, and, you know, I've, I've tried to do it in, in unique ways with like little zine workshops that I've had with families where, um, they, they create these fun little like expressive digital collages and, and collages like by hand asking other people, like, you know, how do you see me or how do I, I see me? Um, so I've done like little zine workshops with families and, but I want to be able to kind of just do like a really soulful like portrait series. And then also just uh, creating more opportunities for my autistic students um, to have proper accommodations in, in the classroom. Um, so just being a part of those uh, communities and helping to kind of organize more conversations around like neurodiversity in the classroom, but specifically for black students, because they often are right. They're not diagnosed or they're misdiagnosed or they don't receive the proper accommodations. Um, and so just continuing to be an advocate to, to help them feel like it's okay. Like you can be yourself. Like my classroom, my office is a safe space. Um, and allowing, being open to more innovative ways to tell these narratives. Um, but also realizing that, you know, you know, families and, and kids are being diagnosed every day. Adults are being diagnosed late, you know, so it's important that they feel like, oh, well, Hey, like I'm, I'm still continuing to see myself. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to ever feel that the message or the artwork isn't needed anymore or isn't like necessary because there's always going to be someone out there that, that needs to be able to see it. And what's really exciting is that when you put something out there in the world, you don't know where it goes. Like that's, yeah. that's a really cool thing is that it creates ripple effects that you won't realize really. That's the power of having work out there is that it's going to be received in different ways, but it's going to travel into all these different hands and eyes and just different places. And that's to be quite an adventure. Like, that's that's the unknown, which is, like, you know, a little risky, but it's always, I think, worth the risk, too, that there may be people that may end up you know, I think distorting it or co-opting or plagiarizing it, but the fact that it's out there and changing lives is often why we do what we do. So just thank you again, Jen, for not talking with me today. I just I just really appreciate your time and your space and your wisdom. is a production of the Disability Visibility Project and all the community dedicated to creating, sharing, and amplifying disability media and culture. All episodes including text transcripts are available at disabilityvisibilityproject.com slash podcast. You can also find out more about Jed on my website. The audio producer for this episode is Geraldine Asu. 
Introduction by Latif Petrov. Theme music by Wilcher Sports Gym. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or Google Podcasts. You can also support our podcast for a dollar a month or more by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dvp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dvp. Thanks for listening. Dear see you on the internet. Bye! Rocket to the blast off. Stop, drop, dance off.